You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans who are listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. Well, Trevor May was introduced to the media on Thursday, and the Mets' newest relief pitcher aced his first presser with flying colors. I want to talk about some of the biggest takeaways of that press conference in the first half of the show. Then later on in the second half, I want to talk about the latest rumor as it regards the Mets and a free agent acquisition as they are reportedly in on catcher James McCann. I will tell you why I like this signing and also why it harkens back to Jason Bay for me and one of the worst signings in Mets history. So I'll kind of explain that in greater detail in just a bit. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsMorizedOnline.com. So let's start with Trevor May. I just want to play right now the audio from his first answer of the press conference that kind of set the tone for what he would say for the next half hour. Basically, the question was, why did you choose the Mets? And here was Trevor's answer. To be honest, the, one of the biggest things is just kind of the buzz um, around Steve and the purchase of the team and the excitement to uh, uh, of all the changes happening. It's, it's uh, my immediate reaction was wanting to be a part of something like that. Um, uh, I'm not. I would be lying to you if I said that uh, Jeremy Hefner, being the pitching coach, didn't factor in as well. Um, Hef's a really good friend of mine. I think we grew a lot together, him as a coach and myself as a player uh, over the two years coming off Tommy John. So um, I, I attribute a lot of the um, kind of bouncing stuff off him and, and getting really good feedback of how I wanted to uh, approach hitters and, and preparing to, you know, preparing to go through a lineup or, you know, get ready for, for whatever my spot's going to come up. Um, you know, a lot of what I've learned was, was really just having really candid conversations with him. So that was a big part of it too. But um, and then third, and I think the biggest thing is, is probably just how, um, passionate the fans are. Uh, I, I feed off that stuff. Um, I love, uh, I love playing baseball, uh, mostly because of the, the emotional connection the fans get with, with the players and with their team and, and how exciting that is. So, um, I just, I, there's just not, I don't think there is a better place than New York to, uh, to get that, that connection. So um, those three things, I think, just made it a no-brainer. So Trevor May gave a three-pronged response there, and I think we should just go through each of the things he discusses. First off, the excitement to play for Steve Cohen. This is a remarkable turn of events. When you're talking about where the Mets came from with the Wilpons and the bad reputation they had around the game where guys probably needed some guaranteed extra money, maybe even a role that they really wanted, a real desire to play with the team or 
a real liking to a front office member, maybe Brody Van Wagenen being a former agent, like all the different draws that push free agents toward the Mets before to overcome the bad reputation of their owners. Now, suddenly, the owner is a draw. Where do you ever see that in professional sports where the owner is a draw? It is very rare outside of maybe Michael Jordan in the NBA. I can't think of too many players who are in their press conference to the media when they get signed and they say, I wanted to play for the guy up top. That guy. Because of his excitement, because he was a former fan. Like All of that stuff is remarkable. It's a huge turn of events for the Mets to suddenly have an owner that works as a part recruiter. So that is incredible in of itself. Then you go down the line to the other things he talks about. Working with Jeremy Hefner, which I also think is a very interesting part of this because Jeremy Hefner did play a little bit of a role in this. I don't think that Trevor May just sought out the opportunity to work with Hefner again, but it was definitely a very nice cherry on top as he was going through his different options of, okay, hold on, I can get the contract I want with the Mets. I can play in this new situation with the team that is kind of the talk of baseball right now because of Steve Cohen. And as a pitcher, I can go into the bullpen with a good role with the Mets and work with a guy that really helped jumpstart my career to the point where I'm now receiving this kind of interest on the open market. And another interesting part of that was back in 2019, Trevor May gives up a home run to Dominic Smith where he hangs a curveball that essentially got him to wipe that pitch out of his repertoire and now he's just going more fastball slider. It's interesting because now he's teammates with Dominic Smith and also interesting because Jeremy Hefner was one of the guys he was working with on making those decisions and figuring out where he's going to go moving forward with his pitches. And another thing about Hefner and really just about Trevor May in general, is he really talked about how he has learned to game plan for batters. And one of the interesting stories he brought up was how he read an article from Dallas Keuchel years ago and how his game planning with his stuff and the fact that Keuchel didn't have the overpowering stuff but instead had pinpoint control and a real idea of what he was trying to do, how all that came together and Keiko went on to win a Cy Young. And for May, he said, okay, I like that. I'm going to have the same control. I'm going to have the same ability to game plan. Plus, I'm bringing 97 to the table, as May said. And that has been a game changer for him. So when you hear these things, I think it does lead to the idea that this guy is only getting better, that he's at the start of his prime, and that for two years... He could be an awesome signing for the Mets. And I really think when you look at the combination of money, which ultimately was $15.5 million, I don't think I've been able to talk about that part yet. Uh, there's some incentives in there where if he makes uh, 70 appearances and pitches 70 innings, he gets an extra quarter million dollars on each of those years. So it could ultimately be a two-year $16 million contract when it's all said and done. But for an average of $8 million a year or 7.75, which is what it's at without the incentives. I mean, that is a very nice contract for him, but it's not an overpay at all for a relief pitcher that you think is going to be 
a really great value to you, especially when you look back at what Familia got, and he got, you know, 30 over 3, and he's going to make it 11.6 and change next year because that contract was backloaded. So when you compare all those things, it really is a great contract for Trevor May and the Mets, and I think he will outperform that contract if all the things that have been happening for him over the last couple of years continue to progress as expected. The last part of that answer I played was the fan element. Trevor May is all about the fans. That's why he live streams with the video games he plays. That's why he was a former DJ. DJ, what was it? Mazer was the less awkward name. I think he said it was like Meat Beef or something. (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't have that in front of me. He had some pretty funny names. I do encourage you, if you haven't watched the whole press conference, you can find that on YouTube or I'm sure on Twitter and Facebook if you find the Mets page. You'll be able to find that full press conference. And he's a really interesting guy to listen to. But getting back to my overall point here, this is a guy that really cares about connecting with fans, engaging with fans, talks about how that's really a big part of what's made him the entertainer and the pitcher that he is. And he even talked about an anecdote about how his wife was telling him that he's only gotten better over the last couple of years as he's really expanded his online presence, which is interesting because it's sort of like that outlet of going online every night or however often he streams and being in front of all those people. It's an extra layer of accountability because if he goes out and gets rocked on the mound, he might get rocked in the comment section later on that night or another day. So that's another kind of interesting element to Trevor May. I could talk about this guy for half an hour like he did on the press conference. He is really an awesome personality to add to the mix. I think Mets fans should be thrilled about him. If you listen to my show from two days ago where I had the host of Locked on Twins, Nash Walker, on, he raved about this guy, talked about how much they're going to miss him in Minnesota, and I think we just kind of saw why from this press conference. And I'm sure as he gets on the mound and starts performing, he's only going to endear himself to Mets fans more. So that's all we'll talk about for now with the Trevor May press conference and how he's going to fit with the Mets. Again, I encourage you, to seek out that press conference and watch it if you have not already. Now, though, let's turn to the next free agent the Mets might sign, James McCann. I'll get into why this could be a good thing or also has some potential to be a bad thing for the Mets in just a minute. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. Seriously, there are so many amazing flavors to choose from. It seems like every time I go on the website, they got something new to try including some of their great flavors like caramel brownie bar, the cookies and cream, cherry bar, sea, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and the apple almond crisp. These really are protein bars that taste like candy bars. Come and covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they are healthy too, coming low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. If you want to try Built Bar today, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code locked on for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's talk James McCann. 
According to MLB insider Robert Murray, the Mets are talking to McCann about a four-year contract to bring the free agent catcher to Queens. Now, this is interesting because this is really a two-catcher market in free agency. You got James McCann, and then above him, you got JT Real Muto. If you go back to during the regular season this year, I think there was a lot of speculation that if the Mets were sold to Steve Cohen and that went through, JT Real Muto would be an obvious top priority come the offseason because he is the rare five-tool player at the catcher position. Then, as the offseason happened, I think there's been a lot more rumors swirling around McCann because we don't know, for one, if Romuto even wants to play for the Mets, and two, because McCann will be cheaper. He is the real free agent B in this market, and because of that, his market might get buoyed a little bit and ballooned by whatever Real Muto gets, but this is interesting because if the Mets are talking to McCann now, they might sign him first before JT Real Muto really gets into his free agency and starts fielding all of his offers and gets however big of a contract he's going to come away with. I will talk about James McCann at more length at another time. I've talked about him in passing. Next week, I'll get into the numbers, especially if he signs with the Mets, but otherwise, I'll still do a podcast to really dive in on what makes James McCann an interesting option for the Mets. But just on the broad surface, you're talking about a player at 30 years old who's coming off his best two seasons. He was an all-star at the White Sox in 2019. That was actually his first year playing in Chicago after coming up with the Tigers and playing a lion's share of his career there. Then last offseason, the White Sox made a surprising signing bringing in Yasmani Grindal as they were trying to improve their defense behind the plate. And Grindal was a better defensive catcher than McCann and also is coming off an awesome season in Milwaukee. And the two split playing time this year. Now with that, McCann had a better offensive season than he did previously. Had an OPS plus over 140. And if you combine his numbers this year and the year prior to his 19, he produced a 114 OPS plus across those two seasons. JT Romuto has produced a 112 OPS plus across that same time frame. The difference a little bit is playing time in that McCann only played 30 games this year. Because of Grindall, he was essentially the backup catcher. Got a good amount of playing time. Grindall DH'd a little bit, but that is something to note. When you're talking about the defense, Real Muto is better, but over the last two years, actually, just over 2020, there wasn't as big of a gap. Romuto finished 11th in defensive wins above replacement. McCann finished 12th, and that's among catchers with at least 200 innings. Now, here is the interesting note when it comes to these guys. You're looking at the lifespan of their careers. JT Romuto has been far and away the better player. Has more accolades, has done it for a longer period of time where he's been at the top of the position. McCann's kind of new to being considered a premium catcher. But they're both hitting the market at the same time. And they're both considered the real difference makers in this class. This kind of reminds me of a similar situation the Mets were in all the way back going into the offseason heading in to 2010. They needed to get an outfielder that can be a middle-of-the-order bat. That was their number one priority. And it was between two guys, Matt Holliday and Jason Bay. If you want to go back 
to the quarantine podcast before this season, I did a whole podcast on Matt Holiday and the biggest mistakes the Mets have ever made because he had an incredible career after that free agency with the Cardinals. Signs a seven-year, $120 million deal. The Mets don't want to go seven years. They settle on four with Jason Bay for $66 million. If you look at the AAV, those contracts are about the same. Holiday got 17 a year. Jason Bay got 16.5. Holiday went on to make the next three All-Star games and won a World Series in 2011. Bay was one of the worst signings in Mets history. One more comparison to look at here is the age. McCann is a year older than Real Muto. Bay was a year older than Holiday. Bay was entering his age 31 season as McCann is Real Muto. Entering his age 30 season, same thing as Holiday was back in the day. Bay was also a better player than James McCann. Was a rookie of the year, had more all-stars. He had a far more accomplished career entering free agency. McCann has broken out over those last two seasons, as I described. Really, his last 587 plate appearances over those two years. He's become an above-average offensive player. Before that, was really middle-of-the-road, about a replacement-level player. This is not an apples-to-apples comparison, though. I don't want to get that twisted. I'm not saying that James McCann is going to be Jason Bay. Jason Bay got hurt. There is a lot of things that went into that signing that made it not work. McCann can go on to have a great career with the Mets, and it's a number that has been floated, which I saw on social media, four years and $36 million. If that's a reality, if that's all he's going to get, sign me up for that right now. That is a great contract for this player. Not an overpay at all. That's perfect. And that is going to be significantly less than what JT Realmuto makes. But if he ends up getting buoyed by JT Realmuto and you're in a similar situation where maybe that's not what he gets and he gets $15 million a year for four years, where you could maybe have JT Realmuto for 18 over 7. Again, these are numbers that may or may not come true. I'm just saying if that is ultimately what ends up going into this, if it ends up being that type of a scenario where they're not that far apart on the amount of money they're going to make per year, but it's the length of the contract that's the sticking point, I do have to wonder which way the Mets should go here. Signing a catcher to a seven-year deal is not a good idea by any stretch. I don't know if I'd go that far. But I also don't know if I would give James McCann a $60 million contract for four years either. And that's more where I am with this. I'm not saying that he is a bad player. I just think there's some parallels here where the Mets are going for option two in free agency instead of really diving all in on option one. And I just don't know if McCann is the player you jump all in on right now. Unless you get him for four years, $36 million. If that price tag is real and it's only nine a year, I would say go for it. Because if I'm McCann's agent, I wouldn't take that $36 million contract right now because... There could become a heavy bidding war for Real Muto, and whoever's second place in that might overpay for McCann later down the road. We'll see what happens over the weekend if James McCann is signed. I'll get you one of those emergency podcasts. Otherwise, 
Talk to you on Monday here with Locked On Mets. I'm sure there's going to be a ton to get into next week. I was going to talk about some of the players that were non-tendered outside of the Mets today until the McCann news broke and we saw the Trevor May press conference. So that's something I'll get into next week, going through some of the new free agents that might interest the Mets. I'll talk about James McCann and any other breaking news that comes. So make sure you subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast. Also, don't forget, you can always tell your smart device to play. Podcast Locked on Mets.